All right, back to podcast. Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians five, and I reckon everything is going to be all right. And uh, I, I know when you announce titles and talk about titles, folks don't they don't understand the term reckon. They, they you know they think it's it's be, being used as. Uh, as maybe they have used it all their lives, kind of like a maybe a guess or an assumption, but not so, not so with God. In fact, when God uses it, it's settled. It's fact. No assumption there. And so, uh, just I appreciate the good Lord helping us this morning. Now we're going to go to Ephesians five and verse number twenty-one. Getting into the meat and potatoes of this. All right. I have spoken about it on several occasions. Several occasions. But when when we started this book out, when we started Ephesians out, I reminded you that the first portions of this book would be about the Spirit-filled life, being filled with the Spirit. And the reason is, is because by the time we get to the end of Ephesians, we're going to be addressing some matters and some issues from the Bible that there's no way any of us can rightfully and properly do independent of being filled with the spirit and that starts here it's it really started in the la- in the earlier portion of the chapter but now we get into relationships husband wife children parents each other now this starts out in verse 21 with submission submitting <clears throat> one's self the term submitting now Let's let's define that properly from from the word or from the word of God what it teaches. It simply means the act or the action or fact of accepting or yielding to to another or to the will of authority of another person. Um it also means to present a proposal in another form, but in this form that's that's what it means. So as we start verse 21 out, we are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. So that's a blanket statement. That is, what that is teaching is that we are to hold one another accountable. Now, we do not believe, of course, in a, in a uh, pope. We do not believe in, in priests. We do not believe in in that type of... Uh, rulership and leadership, but we do, according to the Bible, the local church, we hold one another accountable. Okay, that's that's the Bible. I know folks do not like that. I know that that's what I like about a smaller church in in numerical size such as we have, because it can become a closer unit. You can become better friends with folks. You also maybe tend to know more about other folks. And there should be an element 
of holding one another accountable. So this starts out submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This is within the context of a local church. However, it goes into the realm of personal relationships independent or not necessarily independent of the church, but um, in addition to the church. So it, it transitions immediately. So what this, what this means is Paul is getting ready to address the wife in a marriage relationship. Before he does, he throws a blanket statement out there and says we all should be in submission to one another. Now, what that would mean is um, a, a husband who is, is the head of the home, according to the Bible, he still should be, should be held accountable to his wife to his children, to his home, to his family, okay? And so therein lies the issue of submitting oneself. Now, the other issue is this, and I've taught this before in, in this subject matter. I, I know women, or some women, they have a hard time with these verses. They have trouble with these verses. They, they, they'll, if they could do like Thomas Jefferson did and cut them out, they would, but, yes, this is addressing the wife, but we also must look at it in a different perspective that it is calling for the husband to step his spiritual game up, to step his spiritual life and his spiritual walk up. If you are the authority figure, the head of the home, then you, you've got a pretty big role if you've got this entire home, this entire family following your Example and guide and leadership and authority. So understand that this is a, a two-way street. So we go from verse 21 to verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I have known women, many in fact, who uh, belittled their husband, talked negatively about their husband, they joked about their husband. They would uh, discredit him. They would be disloyal to him. Maybe they weren't having an affair, but if they were bad-mouthing him to someone else in the family, in the church, then you are in direct violation of the Word of God. Direct. There's no other way around it. And then they'll go in the church and act like they're the most spiritual woman in the church. Ma'am, if that's you, or if you know someone like that, that is one of the least spiritual people in the church. Because that Bible says right there, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, just as you would submit to the Lord. Now, he is not your God. He is, cannot save you. But this is God, the Holy Ghost, making the comparison. Just like you submit to the Lord, you submit to the leadership and the authority of your husband. Do you remember Ruth or uh, Naomi? Naomi followed her husband down into uh, to uh, the land of Moab out of Bethlehem, Judah. She followed. 
Now, the fallout was God dealt with that husband. God dealt with the sons even because they, they married out of, uh, out of the parameters that God had set at that time. So God dealt with everybody, but you know who, who he gave grace to? He gave Naomi grace, and he blessed her abundantly by the end. Why? Because she was submitted to the leadership of her husband. So wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So... Just as Christ is the Savior, the husband uh, is a sanctifying element in the life of a wife. He is to be a spiritual leader, a spiritual guide, and this puts a lot of responsibility on the husband as well as the wife. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let, let, that's by permission, that is by uh, a willingness, not a making thereof. So let the wives be to their own husbands. Now, I like, look at this. In everything. Do you see, I'm just pre, I'm just teaching you the Bible. It says in everything. Now, here's why the first part of Ephesians was so important. Here's why that walk in Christ was so important. Here's why being filled with the Spirit of God is so important. Because, ma'am, it's not in you. It's not in your flesh to do that if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You'll kick against it. You'll push against it. You'll fight against it. You will even become to resent it if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. But if you're filled with the Spirit of God, it's much easier to do so because you know what the Spirit is guiding you to do through His Word. It says in everything, not some things, not what you agree with, not what you, He knows better than you. It says in everything. So when Naomi was submissive to her husband, he blew it, and God dealt with him. But God give her grace. All right. Now, God turns to the husband and he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And he gave himself for it. This is one of the most quoted verses I give you, usually not in the context of husband-wife, but in, in the definition and defining of love. I've talked about love a lot. We even spoke about it last time. And what love is. And love is giving. Love is giving, folks. And that's that's essentially what the wife wants. She wants him. She wants his time. She wants him to walk spiritually. She wants him to lead the family. She wants him to walk with God. So just as the wife has the responsibility to submit, the husband has the responsibility to give her the proper leader to submit to. You see that? Ain't this good? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So the word of God sanctifies, cleanses, sets apart that marriage relationship and that home. If both parties fulfill their responsibilities and obligations to one another as well as God. 
that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You want to improve upon your wife, men? Get filled with the Spirit. Love her like Christ loved the church. Give to her like Christ gives to the church. You'll find that it'll be a glorious bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, just like Jesus. Give unto us himself. And he's going to present us as his bride to himself, not having spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We take good care of our bodies. We take good care of our flesh. We take good care of these carcasses that we carry around and the Bible says just as Christ loved and took care of the church that's how we should feel take care and love our wives okay I am not currently married there's a there's a chance a likelihood that I will be one day and I pray that God uh, allows me and fills me up with the spirit to be able to be this kind of husband I strived to be that before, without um, delving into it, I didn't have a willing partner as time grew on, and um, and that's all that really needs to be said at this point. Everybody else has heard; you've all heard the stories. But that's that's our focus, our goal, what we want out of life and marriage relationships and homes. Then the Bible says, "For no man ever," <clears throat> verse number thirty. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So we're all members together, fit together. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. I find it interesting. I've always found it interesting. I pointed it out in a Bible study recently that the call is for the man to leave his father and mother. That shouldn't surprise us either. I, here's the thing. The, the, there is an element, and I'm not saying a man doesn't need his mom or his dad after he becomes an adult. I'm saying he must get out, be out, mature out, grow out to be his own man and lead his own home. Now, I went through that. I, I did that. And it did cause some growing pains with my family. Still has. You know, I mean, probably even hard feelings to a degree, but I couldn't help it. I I, I was my own man. I was a, a man that God had had called, and I had to leave my home in my in 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 my way as the Lord led me, and I wasn't submitted to my parents anymore. Okay, I love them, I respect them, I care about them, but that that's not my obligation. It was to a wife when I had one, to the kids, to the, to to Jesus and, and my family. Now, now, notice that it tells the husband to leave, but not the wife. Now, <clears throat> there's an element understood that she she leaves. Okay, she she does. She takes his name, and she goes to live with him. So that's a given. But it doesn't give the deep command that it does like it does for the man. Why? Because God knows the frame of a woman. He knows the makeup of a woman just like he does a man. 
And the woman does need that friendship of her mother, that friend, that that friendship of her father, even into adulthood. And um, and so the man shouldn't resent it. Now that being the case, the woman shouldn't take it further and put mom and dad before her husband. So there must be that balance worked out there. But the Bible does teach that the, the man is to leave father and mother, cleave unto his wife, okay? And uh, they too shall be one flesh. So that is, um, I mean, that, that's pretty plain speak and plain talk. Uh, basically the fact that... Um, God created man or created woman out of the man with the rib and hence the one flesh. But then there is a consummation as man and wife and they are they become one flesh. Now, this is not a spiritual thing. It's not a spiritual... It says they two are one flesh. The marriage... Here's where the Roman Catholics have, have went awry. Well, a million ways they went awry from the very foundation. But... They teach that the marriage relationship is a spiritual relationship. It's not. It says flesh right there, plain as day. When Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, she says, I have no husband. He said, that's, you know, you've said right. You don't now, but you hast had five husbands past tense, meaning they all were husbands previously, but they aren't currently. He agreed with what she said. Yet she didn't have a husband currently, but she had had five in the past. Now, if we're perpetually married, like the Roman Catholics and in some independent Baptists and some churches teach, if we're perpetually married, no matter what the the laws say and and so forth, it, and and by the way, I mean that's just that's a piece of paper given by the state of North Carolina. But if we're perpetually married as the Roman Catholics, Independent Baptists, and some other sects would teach, okay, if that's the case, then the fact of the matter is, Jesus would have never said, thou hast had five husbands. Put them all in the past tense, and they weren't the husbands at the same time, quote-unquote, two living wives, no, thou hast, Jesus told the woman, you don't have a husband. I acknowledge that. He didn't say, no, you got five living husbands. That's not what he said. She said, I don't have a husband. He agreed and said, thou hast had five, five husbands, past tense. Okay? So it is not a spiritual relationship. It is a physical relationship. That's plain. It says it right here. This is a verse number uh, 31, and they too shall be one what? Not one spirit, one flesh. Now, it can be a spiritual relationship if both of you are walking with God, filled with the Spirit, and, and you share spiritual things. But at the end of the day, folks, it is a physical relationship. All right. Nevertheless, or, or verse 32, there is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as he himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. 
Then we go to chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let me stop and teach there. That is not adult child obeying their mother and father. It's not what it says. It says children. Children. You know what a child is. A child is someone typically in the Bible younger than 12. Younger than 12. That's that's kind of the age range. All right? Because by the time they were getting in their teens, they were marrying off and starting to raise their own children. Okay? Now, that's I'm giving you Bible. Now, I've seen parents. Let me teach that for a little bit. I have seen adult parents. I've had some even call me and say, they won't listen to me. And they're parents of adults. That adult does not have an obligation to listen to you anymore. They've got an obligation, a obligation to respect you and honor you. But they do not have an obligation to obey what you tell them to do. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, they're living in your home. That's a different, that's a different issue. Okay? I'm, I'm teaching you what the Bible says. Still, it's a fine line. You're dealing with an adult. I've had people that I had people in the mountains. I've had people in Kannapolis. I've had people throughout my entire ministry. Probably more so than the husband-wife submission issue have been, or just as much has been, have been older adult, older moms and dads with adult children, mad and upset and brokenhearted and grieving because Junior and Billy Bob and Sarah and just I'm just throwing names out there won't quote unquote listen to them anymore. And, of course, mom and her dad's in the church and acting spiritual. When the reality is the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother. Now, we are to honor them and not to dishonor them, not to disrespect them, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. You want to live a long life? Listen to them when you're young, and then when you get older, honor them. That's it. That's it. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't make them hate you. Don't be a, a hypocrite. Love them. Don't do things to make them be provoked with wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So that is fathers to children, children to parents. Verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. This is an employee-employer issue. Okay? With fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. Just like you obey Jesus. You say, my boss is godless. My boss is a cusser. My boss is a drinker. My boss is a partier. That's irrelevant. On that job, you are representing Jesus Christ. So you are to submit to that boss. You're to submit to that boss as unto Christ. That's giving you Bible, folks. I'm not making this up. As unto. That means to like. As like. Not with our service as men pleasers. Not because you're a brown noser, in other words. Not because you're a suck up. Not to look good. But as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So you're not doing it to be a suck up. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do because you're a Christian. Okay? 
Point this good. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. New masters, all right, there's the boss. Do the same things unto them for bearing threatening. You don't have to threaten, just be a man of integrity, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. I'm a supervisor, I'm a business owner, I'm a pastor. And I've been all, all of those for years, different times. In fact, I've been in some form of supervision since I was about 16. I've never threatened anyone. I've never tried to browbeat them, heavy hand them, heavy thumb them. Okay? I, I take it, I take these roles seriously. And that I want to lead like Christ would lead us. If there's something that needs to be addressed, teach it and address it. If not, if it, it, but teach it to the best of our ability, filled with the Spirit. Now, what are you saying, preacher? All right, I've dealt with husbands and wives, children and parents. I've dealt with employees, employers. I've dealt with every every kind of relationship you can think of. And the key and the fact of the matter is this. Key and the fact of the matter is you can't do any of them as the Word of God teaches without being filled with the Spirit, okay? So that's what that's what the Word of God is teaching us, the filling with the Spirit. That's why the first parts of this chapter were so important because of what remained in the rest of it, all right? Well, we'll come back to some of this in the next next section, next next session, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.